everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Great American Senior Show. I'm your gray-haired host, Sam Yates, and today we are revisiting a topic that we have revisited uh, several times since about a year ago, the Surfside condo collapse, devastating tower collapse. Ninety-eight people lost their lives in that on June 24th, 2021. Uh, It's officially been blamed on water intrusion, corrosion of the reinforcing steel in the building, and unofficially a lack of maintenance and repairs. So a lot of things coming together today. Uh, Other factors listed in the report uh, included uh, some things that we may end up talking about today because my Special guest is Dr. Randall Parkinson. Uh, He has just recently completed a a scientific review, speculation on the role of sea level rise, climate change, and what he calls some very disturbing facts that have until this collapse not been addressed anywhere in the state of Florida. And that is shocking. Dr. Parkinson, welcome to the program today. Thank you for your interest in inviting me. You know, before we go into details about your report, I always like to set the stage of our guest and give a bit of their background. Tell us about yourself. Well, uh, I moved to Florida in 1982. I was down at the uh, University of Miami at the Marine Laboratory, where I completed a PhD in marine geology and geophysics, specifically looking at the effects of sea level change on the coastal zone. That could be 6,000 years ago, 12,000 years ago. But over time, I began to focus on the looming risks and vulnerabilities associated with climate change and sea level rise. And I have been doing that work. I think I published my first paper in 1987. That's how long I've been talking about this. Uh, uh, My background then is, and my efforts are focused on uh, coastal geology, wetlands, coastal zone management. I am uh, currently a research associate professor at Florida International University in their Institute of Environment, where I've been there, I think, going on six years. Uh, And I have a uh, geological consulting company. Uh, As I said, I have a PhD in marine geology and geophysics, and I'm also a registered professional geologist in the state of Florida with experience through the wider Caribbean. Central America, Gulf of Mexico, Florida, Georgia, you name it. I I beg uh, a lot of people to tell me more details. And there's so many details there. If we got into it, we would uh, be spending the entire uh, day talking about that. But in particular, uh, the rise of sea level, why does that interest you? So the, uh, the rise in sea level interests me because uh, what we know from the geological record uh, is that the uh, rate, certainly the record since the last glacial maximum, so 15,000 years ago until the present, sea level has been rising in response to the melting of glaciers. Uh, and it's been rising at a, at a slowing rate as we moved out of that last ice age. And the rate at which sea level changes has a, uh, just drives the entire coastal zone. So for six or 7,000 years, it didn't really matter because nobody lived there. It did impact the indigenous coastal populations in Florida over the last, uh, for about, you know, 
1,200 years till the European contact. But um, I really began to get more and more interested in the fact of the intense urbanization uh, of uh, the Florida coastal zone and essentially what I thought was a collision course with catastrophic consequences because the rate of sea level rise, although it had been slowing for millennia, was now accelerating. And it was accelerating to rates at which uh, cause massive coastal realignments in the geological record. And of course, that acceleration brings us to the Surfside Collapse. You've called this report speculation. Why speculation and not just outright say this is what caused it? Well, the, the, the title was what uh, essentially there was speculation, not by me, uh, that triggered my investigation. There was, as I, uh, of course, tracked the tragic collapse and, and so forth. And initially, as you had mentioned, people were talking about, of course, what caused it. Uh, were there uh, maintenance issues? Was there a faulty design? Uh, you know, no repairs, incorrect repairs, improper inspections, no inspections. But then I noticed that the media reports started to drift into speculation on the role of climate change, sea level rise, and saltwater intrusion. So it was that speculation that uh, garnered my attention and uh, and um, and I began to look into what really that how that could happen and I was doing a few um, informational videos and talking to the media and then I just dove in head first and really started to grind out the data to see what really uh, that meant. It was a scientific process then that you saw something, investigated. Tell us what you found. Well, uh, what I found was when I looked at the historical, say, the elevation of sea level as recorded at a tide gauge station in Virginia Key, which is like 10 miles uh, south of Surfside, uh, part of the Barrier Island system, and there's a NOAA tide gauge there that's been collecting data for a very long time. But I looked at the, the data, which essentially is the elevation of sea level and they measure this on hourly intervals continuously. And I applauded the elevation of sea level rise uh, since um, the uh, since 1984, uh, when the condominium was constructed, to the present. Uh, and then I looked at and found the elevation of the basement floor. So I know that elevation. And when I compared it to the elevation of sea level, uh, it was not uncommon. In fact, uh, between 1994 and uh, 2006, the elevation, these one-hour records from the gauge, it was saying that the elevation was exceeded 244 times on average a year throughout the duration. So that's 1994 to 2006. But then I noticed, and this I've written on as well, uh, along with my colleague, uh, Shimon Wodowinski, uh, where there was a significant acceleration in the rate of sea level rise that occurred in about 2006. And again, this is consistent with uh, climate change scenarios, warming, 
uh, acceleration in the melting of glaciers, the thermal expansion of the ocean. So, you know, sea level is accelerating. And as a consequence between 2006 or 7 to 2020, uh, that elevation of the basement was exceeded uh, by sea level an average of 636 times a year. So what does that mean? Well, we don't really know exactly, except you can imagine that if the basement floor is at a, at a particular elevation and is on the coastline and is built on a porous barrier island and sea levels fluctuating above and below that, well, that salt water uh, um, extends through the island. Oh, at a minimum, the groundwater table at the side of a condo or any building would be the elevation of sea level rise. But compounding that is the fact that there often is a fresh water lens or groundwater, if you will, that's floating on top of sea level. And when you uh, consider that, uh, the number of times that water, in this case, fresh or a mixing of fresh, uh, you know, goes through the roof. So um, this um, was a bellwether moment for me in that um, it's just something that nobody was thinking about in 1984. And actually, I don't really think anybody's been thinking about it uh, as a design consideration in terms of they might consider the presence of groundwater or sea level or salt water, but not the fact that, you know, it's dynamic and that the conditions are changing and ultimately why do we care well if you design a building uh that is designed to be in no water or fresh water uh and you have uh four elevations that are above that but because of sea level rise salt water intrusion that water becomes uh shallower and saltier and those conditions can trigger you know, flooding of, of buildings if they're not properly, and, and, and rooms if they're subterranean, can trigger a change in the corrosive, corrosivity of the water and how that interacts with the structural elements. And it, it just opens a Pandora's box. Now, you were able to see the sea level rise through uh, as you indicated, looking at what NOAA, National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration records had shown over many, many years. But that one little part there about the, the freshwater floating on top of the salt water, a lot of people would say, well, how do you know that? You lucked out using the word just for what you were looking into and not the overall tragedy, of course. But you found something with the, the city of Miami and, and its well system. Right. The, uh, the city of Miami Beach had installed uh, wells to monitor the behavior of groundwater uh, in their domain uh, in that they were interested in how that the water levels might interact with their uh, stormwater systems because those are underground or the retention, detention ponds, their canals, all the system is conveying water either above or below ground. And it is um, draining by gravity. So if uh, to the ocean, so if the ocean level is rising, you know, the 
the slope, if you will, or the rate of flow slows, slows, slows. And you see this uh, in, in Miami Beach and Alton Road, you know, during the spring tides where the, they just get flooding, the water goes nowhere. And so they had to install these huge pumps to force the water out of the um, stormwater system. So the city was thinking about this, but not in uh, the capacity um, to inquire about the effects of this on structural elements of building, but infrastructure. But I happened to be able to get a hold of that information. And I, of course, was very thankful for that, but it was not widely available and it was rather hard to get, which brings up another point that, you know, the NOAA data is readily available. We need groundwater data. That is not. Nobody's putting the two together. And the whole landscape of risk assessment really has to uh, catch up. You sort of found the smoking gun then uh, when it comes to uh, perhaps the, uh, a cause or a contributing factor to the Surfside condo. What's the reaction been to that? So uh, I, I, I'm, I'm careful and to acknowledge that uh, in no way am I suggesting that that was the cause of the collapse, although the grand jury report does sort of mention that this is something that needs to be considered. Uh, and uh, it certainly has the potential to create challenges. Now, these could be overcome if the building is properly designed, properly inspected, and properly maintained. But as you know, and I know, and any of your listeners that are tracking this, none of that has been monitored. Uh, <laughs> it's just not happening. So the response has been uh, overwhelming, uh, both, uh, you know, from a professional uh, standpoint, but also with regards, of course, to the media. Um, but uh, people nowadays with the Google, uh, people were able to find me, you know, so I'm getting emails, you know, I'm thinking about buying a home and, and what should I do? And uh, that, that's not anything that I am going to advise on a, on a site by site. I think people have to look to their to their uh, local municipalities and their uh, zoning and, and so on and so forth boards on that. But uh, really have gotten a, a lot of people expressing concern, not only uh, people that live in the coastal zone, homeowners associations, and people that are thinking about buying in the coastal zone. So it's been um, overwhelming. I want to dig deeper into some of your findings. Uh, I have a lot more questions I want to to ask. I try to keep our episodes in a, a format that allows someone to listen in a short period of time, which begs the question, can you come back for another episode? Uh, as long as you're not asking me if you should buy a building in the coastal zone, I would be happy. That is something that each individual has to decide on their own, so I'll leave it to that and look forward to having you come back. I take that as a yes? Yes, okay. Very good. Now, a little bit uh, of pre-announcement uh, before our next uh, before our next episode. According to uh, one of the executive directors of the American Council on Engineering and the Florida Engineering Society, Alan Douglas, he says that here in Florida alone, there are two million people living in more than 900. 
12,000 condominium units that are 30 years or older. So think about that. Of the 1.5 million condo units in Florida, and this is Florida alone, another 131,000 are 20 to 30 years old. And more than 105,000 are more than 50 years old. Now, those are some very surprising numbers when we're thinking about what is happening to those buildings, the substructure of those buildings. Majority in communities in Florida don't require any periodic structural inspections. So there are some things that likely are going to change. Now, I'm betting in our next episode of the Great American Senior Show that Dr. Parkinson will have some thoughts on how those inspections may need to happen, what is going to happen in the coastal zones, and a whole bunch of communication that has to happen that, as he indicated already, hasn't happened before. So we look forward to having you come back. And we also look forward to that advice that hopefully can help avoid the tragedy that happened with the Surfside collapse. Dr. Parkinson, thank you very much again for being here on the program today. Well, thank you so much for inviting me, and I hope that uh, this was helpful to your listeners. Absolutely. And until that next episode, I'm Sam Yates, your gray-haired host of the Great American Senior Show, and that's how our program ends.